You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Why don't we start from the beginning and talk about model ops itself, how that became a term and why, and what the goal of it is, and then we can maybe dive into some of the other... Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, I think the term model ops, it, it comes back to its, you know, big, big brother in the industry, which is DevOps. You know, the idea that we realize building monolithic applications um, has a lot of uh, negatives. Right. There are sometimes reasons for it, but by and large, the industry sort of realized smaller microservice-based solutions have a lot of benefits, mm-hmm. and it allows us to create pipelines to continuously improve, deploy, manage, and you know, um, update these, these applications. All of that. All of that's good stuff. Yes. And, and machine learning for a long time had to be baked into these applications and really woven into the monoliths or woven into the different services themselves. And one of the reasons why that's really, really not optimal is unlike other pieces of code, you can have a piece of code that does its job for 10 years happily, mm-hmm. doesn't need any updates. Right. Um, but with machine learning models, they are constantly in need of change and improvement. So the big idea of model ops is what if we created a separate set of pipelines really designed to optimize how machine learning models can get into production, mm-hmm. can be monitored for the specific things you have to watch out for, for a machine learning model, things like drift, being able to generate explainable recommendations for how these decisions are made, mm-hmm. uh, being able to track performance because latency often is, is really important, and basically create the DevOps pipeline for models, machine mm-hmm. learning otherwise. Um, so are then, you talking about treating models almost as if the the same way you would treat source code? In a sense, taking, yeah, taking the source code of the model, mm-hmm. training that model. Right. Um, so you end up creating typically a weights file, which mm-hmm. basically is the numerical representation of how it makes decisions, and then creating the pipeline so you can turn that source code into its own service. So it's basically turning machine learning models into standalone scalable services. And once you've done that, that that handoff then makes it really easy for app developers to then start working with these models without having to teach themselves, you know, four years of linear algebra and and machine learning. Mm -hmm. Um, They can start just interacting with these models as services like any other service. And then data scientists don't have to become DevOps engineers in in the process, which is, you know, one of the things that we've done sort of unfairly to data scientists, in my opinion, is we've asked them to take on a lot of extra jobs to turn their models into scalable microservices, right. which is not what they're trained to do. That's not their area of expertise. So that's phenomenal. So in in the real world, how many people would you say are actually implementing uh, machine learning and, and models to do that? Um, is it still just the early movers or is it really broadening out or still just the largest companies? Yeah, we're not at um, we're not at the peak of the adoption curve yet, but we're on the upper slope of it. I'd say, um, you know, I'd say anywhere from over half of companies probably have machine learning use mm-hmm. somewhere in their enterprise. Um, often that's just woven into other commercial products that they purchased or licensed or use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, imagining the the capabilities we all get from Google; those are enhanced by machine learning. As far as companies that are adding machine learning into their own internal processes, building their own custom stuff. It's probably closer to, you know, maybe 15 to 30% mm-hmm. that are really investing in that area. Yeah. Um, and really only a few um, companies have gotten to the point where they can take a model, 
put it into production over the course of uh, you know a few hours or a couple of days, mm-hmm. the majority of companies that are in this space are still taking months to take a machine learning model, train it, and then get it into a production system. And that's just that's just too slow in our opinion. Mm-hmm. So I noticed also that there were all these integrations. Yes. That's with Modzi, right? That's right. Specifically. So what we did with Modzi is essentially take a uh, an approach that we want developers and business users to be able to get those machine learning capabilities available in the useful applications as quickly as you can. So when you deploy a model to Modzi, when a data scientist deploys their model with Modzi, we turn it into a scalable service. Right. But then application developers can access via HTTP REST or gRPC, whatever protocol they mm-hmm. need for their applications. But then we're also building integrations ourselves into commercial products. So if you're an app, app developer, that's great. You can build whatever you want to build. But then if you're a business analyst and you're using Tableau, um, if you're using a CRM tool, if you're using Excel, we, we actually have integrations built into all those products. Mm-hmm. So you basically can wake up one morning and now have AI-powered buttons at your disposal because these models are now integrated into the tools you use every day. So what would the role of machine learning be, let's say with a, with a, um, a Tableau integration? What, sure. what, what's the benefit? Yeah. So one example might be, um, you know, loan, loan officers who are using various tools on their local machine to analyze loan applications, mm-hmm. try and, uh, trying to calculate potential risk, trying to calculate the risk of their entire portfolio. Right. Um, a lot you can do in Excel and Tableau, um, but there are also really great models out there that will calculate loan risk based on 10 different um, attributes. So one of our integrations in Tableau lets you take in a standard set of loan information and we'll calculate the risk score for each of those models. So you're using machine learning to help you quantify risk, but then you can visualize it in your Tableau dashboard and right. use that to help make decisions about, again, which loans move forward um, or just calculating the total risk of your, your portfolio. Right. So by turning it into these scalable services, that's where developers would would come into play with this, where they would, you know, call the service into their application that they're putting together or create integrations with applications that they already have to be to be able to leverage that. And the great the great part about the API, it means that if if the model starts going haywire. Which, which happens with machine learning. They're not perfect. And mm-hmm. over time, they can um, they can drift. They basically start uh, losing performance. Mm-hmm. You can deploy a new model in parallel. And by simply switching the ID number of which model you're using, the rest of your source code stays the same mm-hmm. because everything's standardized. You basically just get to switch from, here's the old model. I'm going to change that ID code. And I'm, I'm now using the new model in my production space. As you would swap out any microservice in an application. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So as low lift for the developer as possible. So then data scientists and developers can work more collaboratively and have less, you know, dropped balls, which is unfortunately what happens a lot. It's, it's very difficult to hand these things off typically. Right. Right. So, so that's great because the, the data scientist of course is helping to create the model. Uh, then when that's done and, and it's uh, you guys would turn that then into this uh, microservice and then the developers would just use that as they use any other service, basically. That's exactly. really that's really fantastic. Yep. That's, um, I think that's certainly going to help advance machine learning because I know a lot of people when they hear AI or machine learning, they just think it's going to be this massive undertaking that's going to be out of their control and it's going to take resources away from other areas where they really need them. So this might actually be the thing that helps democratize it more uh, in smaller companies that 
that want to try to have those same uh, tools at their disposal that a Google has, but yes. didn't have the resources, manpower, what have you, this might actually be a way to democratize that. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, yeah, I mean, that's one of our, our big premises is that, you know, AI shouldn't be just for those, you know, 1% of most advanced companies. Most businesses could benefit from using AI to improve productivity. Um, and so a couple of the other things that we're doing to help with that is we actually also have a separate marketplace of models from commercial algorithm developers. So, you know, if you're building a customer support center and you need to su support five different languages, maybe you shouldn't build uh, language translation models. Instead, you can actually find them from licensed providers and have those running alongside the custom algorithms you're developing. So you can have a mix of things I build, things I buy, um, all existing in the same place. Again, to help some of those companies that are just getting started mm -hmm. get access to the AI tools that they need to improve their business performance. That's, that's phenomenal. So uh, how long has Monzi been around? Yeah, so we launched out of Stealth in uh, November of 2019. So just over a year, just a little bit over, maybe a year and a half at this point. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, a few months right after your launch, we went into a global pandemic. Did that help or hurt? I know a lot of businesses were able to, uh, uh, you know, find some additional places to, uh, you know, sell their products into because of digital transformations that organizations were making and dealing with remote work and all these other things. So what was the effect of that on your business at that point? You know, I think some we saw some different use cases, um, but I don't I think if anything, the, the pandemic actually increased interest in using machine learning. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. We were working with one organization that typically under normal circumstances has to send people all over the world um, to analyze construction projects. Mm -hmm. So normally they're funding and they're working on all these construction projects worldwide. People are going out to the site to monitor and manage progress. They could not do that. So transformation for them meant how do we use satellite imagery and drones to collect the same information and then use artificial intelligence to analyze progress and, and um, you right. know performance automatically, uh, which was a use case that never would have really come to light had we been not locked in our own countries and right. unable to travel. Right. Um, so I think that's an example that kind of typifies the, the benefits that machine learning can offer in some of these challenging uh, times we find ourselves in, that it really does augment human abilities um, in ways that otherwise we really couldn't. Right. Drones, certainly another transformational yeah. technology. Uh, I know just so many applications you can think of. Uh, real estate, uh, people who own commercial buildings and need to see, you know, damage on the roof or what have you, uh, you know, all all kinds of things. Farming, uh, really, really interesting. So uh, good. So what is your role there, Seth? I'm the head of product. So I lead up our data science and engineering teams in the, the design and construction of the product. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think this is a, an interesting story. So if there was a message for developers specifically that you wanted to get out to them, what would, what would that be? You know, I, I think the, the message is that um, data scientists should be your partners, um, not, not your, uh, not your antagonists. Mm -hmm. And that, um, you know, machine learning is going to uh, happen a lot more quickly and more effectively if you're focusing on model ops services as the way you deliver machine learning mm -hmm. into your your production apps. So I, I, I think that'd be the main takeaway. Mm -hmm. So, so how does it work then with the, with the algorithms 
uh, are those pre-written for for companies, or are they creating yeah. their own? Or so our 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 marketplace of commercial algorithms, those are pre-trained. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Um, so those companies spend years and millions of dollars building training data sets to create generic models, and that works great for things like again language translation, mm-hmm. um, because you can create a corpus that encompasses a lot of type of languages. In other cases. There's no way you could use a commercial model for that. Mm-hmm. So companies will in-house, you know, let's say you're a farm equipment producer, you're going to be you're going to be required to build your own models that work on your farm equipment, right. um, or use the sensor information from your farm equipment. In both of those cases, though, you can use Mozzie to deploy and scale those models, um, and again turn them into services. Whether those are services running on a an, a piece of edge equipment right. or in a you know central public cloud. All right. Thanks so much for being here on the uh, What the Dev podcast today. Appreciate your time. To all our listeners, thanks so much for being uh, with us and tuning in. Until next time, I'm Dave Rubenstein. So long for now.